The Boys of Tech with Edwin Herman, Brett King and Cameron Colley. indeed. Nice to see you all here and welcome to episode 121 of the Boys of Tech for Monday 20 June 2011. My name is Edwin Herman and I'm joined over Skype by Alec Doughty. Welcome along Alec. Good morning Edwin, how are you doing today? I'm very good despite the fact that it's Monday morning. I'm a bit like Garfield, don't like Mondays but hey we're doing the show and that's always a good thing. Absolutely. Now Alec you're beginning to be a bit of a regular on the show. It, it does feel that way. It, no, it's good. It's we, good. We I'm enjoying it. Well, we, we we enjoy having you on the show. And I must point out, too, the, the intro there that said, you know, the boys of tech with Edwin Herman, Brett King, and Cameron Colley isn't quite right. And it didn't do you justice. So what I'll do is I'll add a little one right now just for you. How's this? Oh, awesome. The boys of tech with Edwin Herman and Alec Doughty. How did that sound? That was good. Excellent. Rockin'. <laughs> We are. Now, by the way, uh, I understand you've just made yourself a cup of Russian caravan. You know what? I had to Google that. I had no idea what that was. It's a blend of tea, isn't it? It is. It's a black tea. It's it's a, a, a smoky flavor. Beautiful, beautiful tea. I uh, I like to have it no sugar, just black. Is that how, how it's normally done or can you also have it with milk? If, if oh, you're a- no, it, it definitely. You can have it with milk and, and most people would. I'm just a black tea kind of person. You know what, uh, I, I don't know why, but when I saw Russian Caravan, you said that you made yourself a cup of Russian Caravan, and I thought, is that like an alcoholic drink? Or a soup. Or a soup? Yeah, good. well, you know, the thing is, I don't know why, but uh, I had no idea what it, I had, the tea was the last thing I thought it was. According to, ah. to Wikipedia, you probably know this already, but according to Wikipedia, it's a blend of oolong, kimon, mm-hmm. lapsang, sushong, yeah. uh, and... Yeah, those three. That that makes a lot of sense as well because Lapsang Sushong is one of my favourite. Ah, and you like drops. Oolong as well? That's, yeah. So yeah. there you go. It's like a blend of everything good. Do you know, I don't even know if we can get this in New Zealand. I should have a look. It's just a Twinings. Do yeah, you I get could, Twinings in New Zealand? We do get Twinings, but I haven't seen that one. But it just could be that I'm just looking for what I'm looking for and, of course, when well, I find it, I, I move on. Yeah, in, in Australia, it's in a blue packet. Yeah, I'm actually on the Wikipedia site. In fact, there's a, a picture of, of that, and it's and there's a bluish. Uh, I think there's a lake or something, or mm. a few buildings next to a lake featuring on We've done a free ad there for Twining's Russian Caravan <laughs> Tea. <laughs> uh, recommended by the boys of tech. Uh, but by the way, did you see the lunar eclipse? No, I, I saw a bit of footage online, but I, I, not during the eclipse itself. I saw it after the fact. I was a bit disappointed because I, I was actually up and I went to look for it, but it was it was cloudy where we were. Ah, uh, that's annoying. And yeah, and of course that just obviously kills it. So but that's that's the beauty of the web as well, because you can just dial into a feed of, of uh, somewhere where it's not cloudy. Exactly, and you can see it. So you're seeing it live, but just not yeah. through your own eyes. Well, you yeah. are, but not through your, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> through your own optics. Yeah. Yeah, there's an extra step there, isn't there? An, an electronic step. Yeah. 
Now, Alec, I understand that uh, you've just uh, been playing The Witcher 2, Assassins of Kings. Just uh, yeah. newly acquired, is it? Yeah, newly acquired. I picked it up this week. Um, it's been a highly anticipated game for me for um, a couple of years. I, I first heard about it, the sequel, about 18 months ago, and I've just been on tender hooks since then going, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. And I've got to say, it, it lived up to the uh, the hype that I built in my own mind over this because the original game was one of my favourite games the year it was released, which I believe was 2007. So what what's the theme of the what is it? I have um, look honestly, I have no idea what this thing's about. It's it's a, a fantasy RPG where you play a what what is called a a witcher who is basically a monster slayer, and it's actually based on some Russian folklore fantasy books, which in itself I think is cool. It, it it's going away from the overexposure of American ideas. And, and it's exploring yes. other cultures' mythos. Which is not something we see a lot of these days, as you say, but, but there are... No, the, it's... We, as you say, we're pretty much saturated with the typical sort of standard middle American yeah. sort of... Your, your Hollywood thing. fair. Yeah, exactly. Are you playing on the uh, Xbox or on, on Windows? No, I actually built myself a, uh, a new desktop specifically so I could play this. <laughs> oh, did you now? I did. <laughs> Oh, very good. I take it it's living up to your expectations based on what oh, you said. Absolutely. Absolutely it is. So how long do you reckon before you, you clock it, before you finish the whole thing? Oh, I think this is going to be a serious investment in time. Excellent. Yeah. Oh, well, I, I presume that's a good thing. 50 or 60 hours probably. Wow. That's good. That'll, that's good. That'll keep you going yeah, for a while. It, it, yeah, it'll, it'll, it'll keep me going for uh, two or three months, I reckon. Excellent. Now, I'll tell you what we should do. We should kick off the show. The first story I've got lined up there is talking about Google introducing me on the web. It's an identity management tool. So what it is, is if you, I don't know if you've done, the, well, I'm sure you've done this before. We've all Googled our, our own name, right? To see The vanity search. The van- Absolutely. <laughs> That's right. The vanity search. Well, look, we all do that it's, uh, from time to time. Some of us more than others. Even if you don't admit it. You do it. Exactly. Every single one of our listeners right here in the audience has done this, I'm sure. So what you see as a result of that doesn't always please you. You know, you might find some things that you wish, oh, weren't there, or some things you said in your youth or some years ago that you may have a different view on now or perhaps a a stronger view back then and you wish that you kind of hadn't taken that stance. So the idea of this tool set is through Google, you're able to some extent control the results that come up from searching your name. And you can do things like push certain uh, results further down the, uh, down the list. What do you think? What are your thoughts? I really, I, I applaud this, to be honest. I, I, I think it's a really good move because at the moment, individuals have absolutely no control around their own identity and what information is portrayed about them on the internet. So being being able to influence the information about yourself is, is a good thing. Now it's uh, done through your your Google account, but yeah, I, I'd still you like need to a Google profile. Yeah, Google profile. That's right. But I I do wonder how could this be abused? Because I mean, oh seriously, absolutely, it could be abused. Because I could set up a, a Google profile under under some other name, or maybe even a company name or something, and pretending it to be a you know. To, to be a first and surname, and, and I could sort of affect the results of the search of that company or, or, yeah. or of that person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, and, and you've also got issues where, where multiple people have the same name. 
Yeah. Now, you know what would be really annoying is if someone had the same name as you and they were a complete dork or they said some really complete opposite, you know, the complete opposite personality to you or just a really awful personality. And so when people search on your name, they come across this other person. I would hate that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That would uh, not be good. If you do a search on my name, the only one that comes up quite a lot is is an author who's, uh, as you know, my name's Edwin Herman, but this author, I think their middle name is is Herman and their surname is Zydel, I think, or Zaydel. Uh, and it comes up with Edwin Herman Zydel. Ah, uh, so it's like first name, middle name for him, but first name, last name for you. Yeah, correct, yeah. Ah. But it's pretty obvious that it's not me, so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'm not sure how well this will work in the short term. I mean, it's a good step in the right direction, but it, we'll, we'll see what its effectiveness will be like. Are you going to use it? Would you consider it? I have a, a Google profile, absolutely. So I'll play with it at least. I'll, I'll see what it can do. I guess, uh, you know, if, if you, you, you know, as you said, the vanity search uh, comes up fine and you're happy with the way you see things, uh, I guess you don't really have to... Yeah. To worry too much, but hmm, at least it's an option for, for people out there who aren't in that situation. Indeed. Now, this has to be a first. <laughs> Lulzek has opened a request line. So if you. Uh, I like this story. <laughs> that's, that's, that's actually comical. If you want them to hack someone, if you've got a request, can, can you please hack these guys? Dial a hack. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, make the call. There's a, there's a telephone number based in Ohio, I think it is. Make that call and, uh, you know, they, they'll, well, I don't think they're guaranteed to do it, but at least they'll listen and if they like it, they'll they'll follow through. Yeah, it's probably just routed through Ohio. I doubt it shows up as, as their actual location. No, I... I probably I d- through a proxy or I would something. imagine so too. Yeah. Uh, in, in fact, and I don't know again whether this is fake or not, but according to the reports I've been reading, the, the answer machine uh, is done in a heavy French accent, but... It is. I've heard it. Did you call it? No, I didn't call it myself. I was uh, watching some news and they actually called it. Ah, okay, right. Because I tried just before the show to, to give it a go and see if, it, if I could get through, but it's not going through. I, I don't know whether the number is offline or whether it's just overloaded, but it certainly doesn't seem to be uh, functioning at the moment. Ah, oh, that's a shame. I was hoping to uh, hear that crazy French accent again. <laughs> I could do the, the crazy French accent. <laughs> it's almost as good as the one I heard. <laughs> uh, look, so isn't it? This is kind of this is a publicity stunt, if anything, isn't it? I think so. I think it's also them thumbing their nose a little bit at uh, the the anonymous hacker group. I, I, I think there's a bit of a rivalry going on at the moment. Yeah, and I think you know, last week I said that I. Well, I, I suggested there could be quite a bit of a crossover, but I don't know. It seems not because the two seem to be against each other. They're, I think they're both doing slightly different things, but in a way they're going about it in a similar way. And I think they're trying to get as high a profile as I, they agreed. can. Agreed. From, from the limited reading I've done on the topic, I don't research hacker groups for a living, but from the limited reading that I've been doing, um, I, I think Lulsec and... Anonymous sprang from the same core group of hackers that evolved out of the 4chan image message board. But I, I think they have slightly different agendas and they're, they're now in competition with each other. Well, their activity certainly hasn't waned. I thought it might have started tailing off by now, but it, it certainly happened. 
they'll keep the news and podcasts like us in busy. business. Yeah, in business. <laughs> That's right. Reporting on their next uh, next targets. In the meantime, let's talk about Facebook now. According to some reports, Facebook membership in Britain and the US has dropped. But Facebook are actually denying that. I think we've got a couple of uh, mixed signals going on here. I think their growth has slowed, but I'm, I'm not sure they're actually losing members. Yeah, now, th- those are two different things. Uh, that's are. right. And, uh, you know, it depends, I guess, what you read. According to one crowd... At the start of last, was it last month, I think, May? At the, at the start of May, there were 155 million US users, and at the end, there are only 149. So that is a drop of 3.7%. Now, it's hard to know who to believe. I think it's safe to say their their growth is slowing, and as you say, you could debate whether, in fact, those figures of the membership dropping is correct or not. But according to you know one crowd, the US and UK membership has dropped. Having said that, they are so big, they've almost got 700 million users. I know. It, it can't go on forever, right? Well, Be- Because there are only six, uh, almost 7 billion people in the world, so you can't get more. They're than- doing pretty good. They've got, what, 5% of the, the population of the planet? Uh, 10%, I think. Oh, you might be right. Uh, yeah. My the, math the, There's is almost 7%. On holidays 7 billion. at the moment. Yeah, so 10%. Yeah, yeah, they've got 10% of the population on Facebook. That's insane in all its own right. That's nuts. Well, they're not all of them are personal pages. There are businesses and stuff as well. But Yeah, but, but you that's, know. that's active users. That's not pages or anything. That's active users. Yeah, that's true. Mm. It's a yeah, huge, so, so huge machine. One, one user could have a couple of uh, groups, uh, a fan page, uh, a public profile, a private profile. So one one thing that I would also like to point out about those figures is that it's actually based on advertising figures rather than Facebook's own user metrics. So I'm I'm not sure how how accurate what what sort of margin of error there is in in those figures. That's a, actually a very good point because I suspect that could explain the error and in fact Facebook may not have lost uh, membership at all, so their denial of it may well be yep. correct. Having said that, uh, you know the growth probably is slowing, and hey, it's it's no surprise because they're so big anyway. But I, I don't think it's the beginning of the end of Facebook. Certainly not. They'll be uh, around for a lot longer. But obviously, everything has to come to an end. Remember Alta Vista? You remember it was it oh, was yes. the search engine, and we were all surprised. Uh, we, we would have been surprised if someone had said, "Hey, one day." It's going to go down, and something else yep. will take its place. We would have gone, no way. You and of course, are, yeah. Look what, ha- look what happened. Exactly, and of course, who came along? The Goog. Yes, the big G. So you know, I mean, there will be an end at some point, but I don't think it's anytime soon. Apple has banned an app. Another one <laughs> bans a lot of apps. This one is an app that lets people publicise where drink driving checkpoints are located. Yeah, it, it's not even an app. It's a group of apps. It's all apps that fall into this category of of announcing where police checkpoints are that the police themselves have not published. Sort of crowdsourced locations for where where uh, random breath test places are or speed traps and that sort of stuff. 
So the idea is an app like that could let someone who's had a few drinks and decides to drive home go a certain route to avoid avoid the checkpoints, which I guess is not a very good thing. Just going back to what you did correct me, in fact, and you're absolutely right, it's, it's, they haven't actually banned an app. What they've actually said is there are to be no more of these apps made. We're not going to accept any more apps that identify drink driving checkpoints. Now, yeah. there are some, though, that already exist. They won't be wiped from the, from the site, but yeah, they're just not is- allowing new ones. I find this interesting that they've drawn a line and gone, from this point on, no more. But everything that's already in there, keep going, keep going. Well, you know, <laughs> yeah, it is a bit odd. But I think it's a no-win situation because if they had, then the guys who developed the apps that are already there would kick up a fuss saying, well, it's not fair. You can't now change the rules on us. You should have just told us at the beginning then we wouldn't have wasted our time. Oh, to which Apple would say... Of course we can change the rules at any time. We do it all the time. Well, they do, you're right. But it's still I don't I still think it wouldn't have gone down nicely and would have they would have kicked up a fuss. So either way <laughs> there are two ways of looking at it. Yeah. From from a PR perspective, Apple was in a lose lose there. Yeah, yeah, it is. Well philosophically, what do you what do you think? Where are you positioned on this? Um, I'm actually tentatively in favor of this because enabling drink drivers or speeders to avoid speed traps or um, breathalyzers or anything like that is just dangerous to the community. Yeah, look, I'm in the same position. I'm normally the one waving the free speech flag, but, you know, this here is is something that, as you say, could be particularly dangerous. If you've lost someone, if you know someone who's been killed innocently because of a drunk driver, I think uh, I'm not in that position, mind you, but, you know, uh, those that are would certainly understand the, uh, the rationality behind that. So it's really not cool aiding people to effectively drink drive. No. So no, that's not I cool. I agree. Yeah. I mean, there, there are free speech implications to this on a wider level, but this specific case, I don't think so. Agreed. By the way, as a listener, if you agree or don't agree, if you've got some, some views on that, head over to boysatech.com and leave some comments there against episode 121. Love to hear from you. Moving on to another Apple story. In fact, I was going to agree that we would have no Apple stories this week. because I was hoping. <laughs> I bet you were. And I have to apologize. There are two of them. That was one of them. This is going to be the other one I'm about to introduce now, but that will be it. Uh, the Apple is being sued over the name iCloud. Again, they're just <laughs> stomping over the trademarks of other companies. Well, you know, the thing is, I, I, I'm, I'm in two minds about the whole thing. In a way, I'm not surprised because, you know, just, I mean, I, I just, I don't know why. I just had an idea this would happen. Having said that, are they really doing that? Because, you know, when they took the name iPhone, Cisco got all up in arms. But if I remember correctly, there is a five years, a five or six year use it or lose it clause. And if I remember correctly, Apple waited until that expiry time before using the, the name, and that was their defence in court. They ended up licensing the name. Did they? Yeah, I believe so. Oh, well, that's interesting because I know that they were counting on the on the uh, five-year stand-down period. I don't think that held up. Oh, didn't it? Okay, well, that's that's interesting. So, yeah, maybe you're right. It, it's kind of, you know, they go on through knowing that they'll just do a little deal, exchange of, uh, a little bit of money here and there, and they can carry yeah, on. They're the gorilla in the room that, that doesn't really care. They, they just do what they want to do and they just clean it up in court afterwards. It's a bit sad because it, 
you know that to be honest that is the kind of thing that that Microsoft does uh, well a lot of big tech companies for that matter well, and I, uh, I think I actually think it's something that Microsoft used to do. I mean, that their anti-competitive practices have, have really diminished over the last sort of five or six years. That's because they don't know how to be competitive. <laughs> <laughs> but no, no, you're right, actually. They, they, I think Microsoft have. In fact, Microsoft seemed to be getting gooder, if I can use that term, and Apple seemed to be getting a bit badder. I think that is the case. In this circumstance, uh, Microsoft is the good angel sitting on the shoulder and Apple are the bad angel sitting on the shoulder, whispering in the ear. Uh, isn't it amazing how, what a you know, few years can do? What a turnaround. What a turnaround indeed. And now you may recall the story about Paul Seglia. He's the man who believes he's entitled to half of Facebook. He believes that there was a, a contract that was done between him and Mark Zuckerberg back in, I think, the university days, if I remember correctly. That is correct. Mm. While while Mark was still at university and trying to uh, put his work his way through through college, yeah. And uh, the contract, apparently, according to Paul Seglia, entitles him to half of the site. Facebook is said to be worth a hundred billion. So you know, if if this goes through, this Paul Seglia would get effectively fifty billion dollars worth of stock. Well, I'm I'm not sure about that. Is is it fifty percent of Facebook's value or fifty percent of Mark Zuckerberg's stake in Facebook? Because ah two yes, things. or is it fifty percent of the revenue? Good question as well. Now that needs to be. Now the thing is, the only people who have seen the so-called contract is is Paul Siglia, according to his claims and his lawyers. Now what's interesting here though is that Paul Siglia just this week has passed a lie detector test about the authenticity of that contract. And this is the contract that, of course, Mark Zuckerberg is is saying it's all made up. If there is such a contract produced, it'll be a forgery. So Paul Seglia now has announced that he's gone through a lie detector test about the authenticity of this contract, and he's passed. He's thrown the gauntlet down. Yeah. But uh, my my, my comment to this would be you can train to, to defeat a polygraph. If you're a habitual liar, then defeating a polygraph would be something that is, is certainly possible. I'm not saying he did or he didn't, but it's another side of the coin. Well, it could explain the number of months that have passed since we last, since he was last in the news. He was yeah. training to pass the lie detector test. Going through CIA how to how to beat a polygraph test. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> One of the little secret courses they do. Yeah. No, look. Uh, yeah, you're right. They they are notoriously inaccurate. And also, given uh, De Siglia's alleged history of being a little shonky himself. Yeah, that's true. It doesn't really put him in a good yeah. light, does it? Doesn't really. No, help it doesn't his cause. because his background is that of someone who deceives often if I can couch it that way. So is it beyond the realm of possibility that because he's so practised at this that he could uh, just breeze through this test? Well, the other thing I might throw in here is that the law firms acting for Seglia have actually said that not only does he possess an original agreement, but it has been examined by two forensic document experts. Yeah, this is interesting. So, two different law firms as well. Yeah. Two different law firms and two forensic document experts. Yeah, so, you know, I, I'm not quite sure whether this is all 
if you like scare tactics or whether it's uh, we have to wait for it to play out in court yeah, yeah. Um, it could be an attempt to leverage a settlement oh uh, yeah it could be yeah it could be it could be uh, they could be hoping that Zuckerberg will, will you know sort of do a, we'll go, a little ah, enough back go deal. away yeah. yeah how much do you want to go away it's exactly. kind of yeah what that prob- could be hoping for you're right yeah let's see what happens if it goes to court then we can assume that really he he really does believe what he believes and will let it play out in court if it, if he wins this will be a huge it'll be huge it'll be big news i think if he wins it'll be the end of facebook as we know it do you think because mark is the vision for facebook and if he has to share 50-50 with this guy all right all of a sudden We've got two heads of a company, and th- th- I think this is actually a nice segue into the Rim story, who, who themselves have two CEOs, and, and look how successful they've been in the financial market recently. Well, you just pointed out to me before the show that the, the results for Rim are not looking very good at all. Not good at all. Down about 20%. 20, for, well, for that, the quarter. That's nasty. Yeah. Why, that's, why do you think they, why aren't they doing so well? I mean, they had um, a good product, didn't they? They did. They had a good product four years ago, all right? And they haven't evolved it at all in four years. They pushed hard with the playbook to enter the uh, the tablet market, but they rushed it out too soon. I mean, seriously, the BlackBerry's main strength is its email integration with business. And to release a tablet, which is targeted to a business orientated segment of, of uh, consumers is with, with, without a email client, it just seems ludicrous I to me. No, you had to tether your BlackBerry phone to the tablet yeah. to, to do email. It's like, what? It was half a product. It, it was. It, it was. should not have been shipped when it was. But what about, okay, so that's could explain the tablet side of things, but what about the phone side? I mean, do you think that their BlackBerry OS is just not... I, I think it's a last-generation OS. They didn't evolve it quickly enough, and we see Android exactly. and iOS yep. pacing ahead, isn't it? That's, that's really Go, what it going is. Going the same um, as Windows Mobile 6.5. I mean, Microsoft have upped their game with uh, Windows Phone 7, and they've recognised the importance of having a modern operating system. But BlackBerry just haven't... Uh, Rim haven't taken it... F- Taken it far enough with the their BlackBerry OS. Well, I, I wonder if they can do what Microsoft did, and, and that is to, to produce something new that actually does get some update. I won't say that Windows Phone 7 is, is by any means taken over the market share at the moment. It's not. But it's, no, it's certainly... Absolutely. But it's, it's certainly... You, well, you wouldn't call it unsuccessful, put it that way. It's, right? it's competitive. And it is competitive. Mm. That they, I mean, I have one myself, and I love it. It's uh, very easy to use. I must admit, I played with a Windows Phone 7 device just not long ago, and I did quite like the way it worked. I quite liked how on the home screen you've got, you know, you can scroll through sort of endlessly yeah, down the list, yep. whereas, yep. say, on the iOS device, you have to go page by page. Exactly, and you can pin anything to that front page as well with the live tiles. The live tiles that update with... Um, I've I've got a Twitter app that tells me when I've got a direct message or a, or a mention. I don't have to go into the app. It tells me. I see it. Oh, I've got one. Then I can go into the app. 
My only criticism with Windows Phone 7, and I know we're sort of going off tangent here a little bit, but the only criticism with Windows Phone 7 from me is that, in fact, like all Microsoft products at the moment, or all Microsoft software, it's ugly. Uh, do you think so? Yeah. I, I disagree. Yeah, you, I, you I, like the way it looks just yeah, cheap. Yeah, I and, like the way it looks. You like the, the sort of sharp square lines? Yeah. I, I think it looks better than iOS. Oh, I just uh, the and the website sort of is another one as well. They, oh, I'm not going to argue with the website. That's the, ugly. The, 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 all the websites are just ugly. Yeah. I find another example is Outlook Web Access 2010 in particular. It's yep, ugly. Yep. They they need okay. So we agree on on those uh, on the on the sites at least. Uh, they just have the worst designers out there. I honestly they do. It's just the, the, the people that are working on. What was Zune as as a holistic design philosophy, and and that m- sort of mer- morphed into Windows Phone Seven, and a lot of that same design philosophy, which is uh, similar to Xbox, is coming out in Windows uh, Windows Eight as well. A lot a lot of those designs. So I mean, that's one of the reasons I really like uh, the look of Windows Eight as well. So, taking this back to Rim, have you used <laughs> have you used a BlackBerry device at all much? Yes, I, I wouldn't say much. I used it while I was uh, on a business trip. Oh, what well, version of the OS was that? Oh, it was it was old. Oh, I mean, okay. So we're talking about white, right? Okay. Yeah, it had a black and white screen still. Oh goodness me! Yeah, I think I remember black. In fact, I shouldn't have. I actually have a black and white. My cell phone is black and white. All I have. It's a. It's a $59 New Zealand, 59 that's about, what, 40 US. Mm-hmm. All it does is make and receive calls, make and receive texts, and it's got a little LED torch at the, a flashlight for the American listeners at the top there. And, and that's all it does. It's black and white screen. That's all I need. So 2002. If that. <laughs> yeah, I know, but hey, there you go. Now, something cool from Tectus. It's a, a, a startup. It's a... Tech, uh, based in, Silicon, in the Silicon Valley area. It's developed, it's not the first one to do this, but it's developed a touch screen that can pretty much sprout keys and buttons. In other words, it can produce these tactile bumps, if you like. The idea being, of course, the main problem with a touch screen is that you've got no tactile response. It's, it's a flat screen. You can't sort of feel like you can on a keyboard. You can feel where the keys are. Exactly. You've got no feedback. Exactly. Mm. So... so- I think you know. I we we're not seeing these mainstream. You you don't get iPhones with a bumpy a bumpy surface, if I can use that term. You don't see Android devices with bumpy surfaces. No, these are still in the lab. It, it's they still are. in development. But I I think you know in, in maybe five ten years, I think we might start seeing it, these it's phones an come interesting out with it. Comp- it's an interesting concept. This coupled with the electronic paper that we talked about about a month ago. Yeah. Um, that, well, all of these separate disparate technologies, when, when, when they're all meshed together, have a lot of promise. Yeah, they, there's a lot of potential. Absolutely. This is, I think, the, the next big thing in tech, I think. The, uh, you know, uh, e-ink, uh, touch surfaces, uh, especially with the tactile, like you said, the e-paper we talked about that could, you know, you, you sort of flick the corner and, you know, and depending on, or you, you hold it in a con- concave or convex shape. All these sorts of things, I think, will all converge at some point and we'll have some really, really cool devices. Yeah. we just got to wait. <laughs> exactly. Why can't the future be today? Yeah, oh, I know. It's... Yeah, well, actually, I've got Where's two. Where's my jetpack? Yeah, exactly. Where's the jetpack that we're all in? The, the flying cars? Oh, flying cars. I would prefer a jetpack. 
would you? I want I a flying car. And what about a motorbike? Would be all right. Was it Back to the Future? The 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 hover hoverboards? Yeah, hoverboards. Back to the Future. That would yeah. be cool. Yeah, yeah that'd be yeah. seriously cool. Anyway, before we go on a world tangent, <laughs> tangent four, pretty much, isn't it? I want to round off this segment of the show. Those were the international stories, and right after this, a little musical ditty. We'll come back with a New Zealand story to talk about. Don't go away. Welcome back. Now, for those of you still listening, if you're from New Zealand, this will be of interest to you. Alec, uh, it'd be interesting to compare how this is in Australia. Mm-hmm. New Zealand has announced the dates for the digital TV switchover. So this is the dates where analog signal gets turned off, basically. They'll flick the switch. Yep, yep. And they are, there's a precise time as well. So Hawke's Bay and the West Coast, 2 a.m. on Sunday the 30th of September 2012. The rest of the South Island, 2 a.m. on Sunday 28th of April 2013. Lower North Island, Taranaki, Gisborne at 2 a.m. on Sunday the 29th September 2013. And the rest of the North Island, 2 a.m. Sunday 1st December 2013. So Alec, how does that compare with Australia? Have you gone digital yet and have you turned off analogue or is that still happening? No. Um, we have gone digital, but we haven't turned off analog yet. I believe New Zealand is actually sort of in line with our timetable. I think 2013 is when we're going to be switching Australia off as well. Right. It does um, sound like we're in the similar position. Is your digital TV, is that free to air as well? It is. Absolutely. It, it's uh, just just like free view broadcast television. Right, okay, same as they are. Yeah. So it looks like we're pretty much uh, doing the same sort of thing. Yeah. So for New Zealand and Australian listeners, it really is a sort of a heads up that if you're still listening listening or watching, I suppose, the old analogue signal, you know, complete with snow and ghosting and all that, all that lovely stuff <laughs> that eventually you'll miss, now's probably a good time to start thinking about going out and buying yourself a Freeview decoder. They don't cost a lot of money. You can get some cheap ones down, I think, $100, I think. Well, the, the, there are set-top boxes in Australia now that, that are like 50 bucks. $50? Yeah. Mind you, $50 so. Australian is, is uh, quite a lot these days. Your currency is just... You know, you're still ahead of the American dollar, right? I know. It's crazy. What Who is it now? I thought that. I, I, uh, one, 105 or something? 105? Wow. So $50 to us is about 75 Anyway, now that we've completely confused everyone, that's pretty much the <laughs> story with analog TV switching off in around 2012, 2013. Mind you, I don't think they'll bother because it'll be the end of the world, uh, end of 2012. Don't forget. Exactly, exactly. So the Mayans, well, so some people say that the Mayans say. Just because the Mayans didn't bother to to extend their calendar out beyond 2012, the, the minds went, oh, we've got 2,000 years of calendar. We'll just make a new one when we get to the end of this one. Yeah, well, I no, saw- <laughs> we're into ind- reading into it. End of the world. Yeah, and I think that's probably what's happened. You know, I saw a great cartoon. I can't remember the exact wording, but it's something along the lines of the, this guy with this big stone, round stone tablet, and there's all these hieroglyphics all over it, and he says, I could only get as far as 2012, and the response is, ha, 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 that'll scare someone one day. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, anyway, there we have it. Well, look, Alec, this was your first podcast without the others. It, it was. It's been a, a good morning. It has. I've enjoyed doing the show with you. And hopefully you'll do the show with us uh, a few more times. 
Oh, I'm uh, keen to do it whenever you uh, need, need someone to jump on board. Excellent. We might need to modify that little intro at the beginning to include your name. I think we're growing. This is we've grown what 100 percent now. Doubled. We've doubled. We have exactly. All right. So, Alec, thank you very much for joining us on this fine Monday morning. No problem at all. All right, and thank you to all our listeners. I hope you enjoyed the show, and hope more importantly that you join us again next week. Until then, take care, everyone. Goodbye. See you later.